Welcome to Popcorn Martini Soup, a movie podcast. I'm Jess. And I'm Anna. We're your hosts. Here to hang out. And we always end up talking about movies. Usually over a couple of martinis. Or a warm bowl of soup. And we're back. I know it doesn't feel like we're back because we are posting on our regular schedule, but it's been a while since we sat down and recorded and caught up. Yeah, so you were on a trip. I was. It's my fault. (laughs) It's fault. It's fine. (laughs) How dare you go on a trip? Um, No, so you just came back. Welcome back. Thank you. It's nice to be back. I'm... Really? I mean... After three and a half weeks, you miss your own bed a lot, and you miss your friends, and you miss like being in one spot for yeah. just for just a little bit. So it yeah. is nice to be back. As much as I would absolutely turn around and go on vacation again tomorrow if I could. That's true. Yeah. Um, do you want to share where you went? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's it's not that exciting. Although it was exciting for me because I finally got to meet one of my online podcast buddies. Um, but I went to Scotland and England, uh, with some friends and shout out to Wes, who I met when I was in London. It was very wonderful to get to meet someone that I met through like a different podcast through 70 millimeter. Um, and we met in person and he was lovely and yeah, I just had the best time. That's amazing. Yeah. I was wondering, so like, I mean, we still have to catch up, but like describe to me what the trip was like based on a movie like I need to hear that (laughs) (laughs) oh boy I mean there were moments that were like pretty normal we had to work a few days so like excluding those excluding the days that were like pretty chill and and reserved it was a mix of like chaos and sightseeing of in Bruges with the like single girl energy of how to be single Uh a Uh touch for a couple of us of the romance of under the Tuscan sun okay (laughs) (laughs) which is like the most ridiculous combination of movies you've possibly ever heard I will yeah offline follow up on details there's maybe a story or two yeah what have you been up to I've just been up to missing you and hanging Hanging out with you. Oh, <laughs> that's so cheesy. Stop, that's so nice. <laughs> but also, truthfully, like uh, past two weeks or three weeks while you were gone, it's it was it's been kind of stressful, mostly because of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm actually really excited to be able to talk about our topic today, which is um, musical musical movies, the modern movie musical, which is just so fun, so fun. Yeah. So this is exactly what I needed. And yeah, let's 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 talk about musicals. Let's do it. Okay, so I mean talking about musicals, obviously musicals have been around for so long. There is a huge canon of movie musicals that we could choose from. So we had to find some way to narrow it down because otherwise we would be here literally all night and this episode would never end. And I feel like that's <laughs> that's asking a lot of listeners who are used to one hour episodes. So we kind of decided to narrow this down to the modern movie musical. So the 2000s and the 2010s. But as we were kind of narrowing down our list, there was one that we just couldn't let go of. 
the Rocky Horror Picture Show. One of my best friends from high school, his name's Seamus. Shout out to Seamus, who doesn't listen to this. <laughs> Get Seamus on the pod. Come yeah. on, Seamus. <laughs> um, he, he and I used to watch like all kinds of movies, and he was truly like the person that introduced so many quirky, interesting things that like maybe I wouldn't have found on my own. And Rocky Horror was one of them. We we figured out that like infusing raisins with rum and pouring it over ice cream was like really really delicious and we're like what 14 (laughs) or 15 or something like that um it was that age and watching something like Rocky Horror so that was just like a sidetrack but I don't know how else to describe it but other than that it's just so iconic so Um, iconic speaking of high school though um I mean this was when I was obsessed with Rocky Horror being introduced to it um I was really I was really close to my English teacher I love my English teacher he's the one that got me on the path of like going into um theater and I went to a drama school and university um and so at one point, like I was doing a lot of musicals back in back in high school and and he thought that I would play a good Columbia played by Neil Campbell. Um, but all I wanted to be was Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenfurter or Meatloaf. So I was like, oh, my God, Meatloaf. Yeah. So I was like, OK, well, sure, but no. <laughs> There is something so iconic about like Tim Curry as Frankenfurter in that cross-dressing, playing with gender, trans something space that I don't think that I ever have had words for to describe like what that draw is and and what that means yeah but there is there's something about that like especially with how you know gender nowadays is so much more fluid and is like accepted as a thing that can be played with and doesn't have to be rigidly one thing or another um this is such an, a great expression of that yeah. from a time when like it very much was a lot more taboo but you just you like recognize it in that character and I think like even at 14 it was like ooh, there's something special in a good way totally. and I, I have never lost that and I love this movie so much for that do you have like a specific moment in this movie that really gets you like is it is it one of the songs is it so I used to list like watch Sweet Trans Vestite like so many times but specifically in that song in that moment when Brad is like I'm glad we caught you at home could we use your phone we're both in a bit of a hurry and like talking right and like Tim Curry is just like handshaking every single person and he says well you got caught in a flat well how about that and I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember the specific look that he has. Like, he says it, like, to the camera. And mm-hmm. the way he says, I just hope that anyone listening will just look this specific part up. Mm-hmm. That, for some reason, just, like, is ingrained in me. Like, I really love that because you would think that it would be the, like, make you shiver in anticipation yeah. moment, right? Like, that's the part that everybody references all the time. But I like that moment with that look with the camera. It sets the stage for everything that Frankenfurter is about to be. Yeah. He follows up with, well, babies, don't you panic. Like, it's just like, so I would just watch it over and over and over again, mm. hoping that like a smidge of that energy will transfer to me. Oh. And Yeah, what I wouldn't give to have Frankenfurter energy in real life. Yeah. How about you? I think for me, the first half of the movie 
is the stronger half. Mm-hmm. Like I always get so sucked in at the beginning and then not that I don't like the second half, but it starts to lose steam a little bit for yeah. me. And I think that's because of the strength of the music at the beginning, yeah. like opening on science fiction double feature, right into Damn, Damn It Janet, the time warp, obviously sweet sweet transvestite, yeah. and then even like Tasha 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 is like slightly later, but still like that. I feel like that's the last big moment for me. Yeah. There's something about those musical numbers and the way that like all of the characters play them up so much and Susan and Barry as Brad and Janet just like so out of their depth but how quickly they catch on and play along like it's just it's I don't know it's so campy and it's so fun and I feel like that first half the energy and the songs just like they grab you and they do not let go and like hot patootie I don't know. So, yeah, it's, it's just, a great it's, song. It's all so fun. Yeah. I just remember, you know that scene where um, he, uh, Dr. Frankenfurter is in bed with Janet and then with Brad and he like mm-hmm. says the exact same line to both of them and it's like a silhouette yes. of both of them and it's, oh, uh, I remember I just found that like so funny and like so just like the way they actually made this movie to be so ridiculous but to have every joke like that work so well yeah incredible yeah I feel like we can't cover the modern movie musical without at least talking very briefly the 2019 movie Cats because if nothing else it like defined the movie musical for the year where everybody was like why are we doing this to ourselves and I think that the movie musical has really picked itself up since then We've had some help from some big name people to erase the stain that Cats left on the genre. But the only way that I was willing to watch this movie was um, I would like to shout out Toronto local. I don't even know what you call him tastemaker, man of the city, uh, Anthony Oliveira, who programs a theater series for uh, the review cinema. It's called Dumpster Raccoon Cinema. It is excellent. And in 2019, before the pandemic ruined in-person events for us all, they hosted a drag sing-along for Cats where they like projected the movie on the big screen and had it playing while drag performers came up and performed the songs along with like the actors on screen. And it was the best way you could possibly see this movie. Yeah. Because you don't actually have to like sit and take in what's really happening on the screen because you have excellent drag performances happening to distract you, but you get the essence of Cats, which I think is all you really need. That sounds amazing. That's the only way to watch this movie. Universal should have bundled watching this movie with like a drag show as part of like right? the required. Like that w- that would have been the play. This feels like the perfect pairing because it's <laughs> it's can't be in a bad way and drag is can't be in a good way. So drag would elevate this out of the disaster that it was yeah. into like good fun camp. So it's 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yikes. I think it could have been lower. Weirdly enough, I I actually grew up with watching Cats, like the musical theater version. Mm. Um, as a kid, watching like adults, I guess, dress up as a cat <laughs> and dancing around, it was really entertaining to watch. Although, can I tell you like what Cats is even about? No, I actually no. Googled it. I was like, what is Cats about? And is I was... I was so confused. Like, I was like, I had no, of course that makes sense, but it doesn't. Well, like, what is it? What are they called? The Jellicle Ball? Like, they, the Jellicle cats have a Jellicle Ball, and they have to pick one cat that 
ascends to cat heaven. The heavy and, side layer. Yes. And they're granted like a new life to be like a younger, hotter cat, right? Right. And does that synopsis make any sense objectively? No. <laughs> That's insane. That's an insane premise for a movie or a show or an anything. Yeah. And they're all like extremely sexy as well, <laughs> which is so confusing. And like the movie makes it even more sexy because like they try to use the tail in like a weird way. Oh my God. I know the like the Jason Derulo and Idris Elba cats are. That sentence alone. <laughs> Just just that. Period. Done. Done. Yeah, they like go for sexy and I feel like Idris Elba is sexy in everything and somehow this completely ruins it because even Idris Elba could not pull off a sexy cat. Yeah, it, I just felt really uncomfortable watching it. Yeah. Why did we bring this up? <laughs> yeah, I kind of felt like I was watching like a weird porn genre does that make sense like I, I know I know what you mean right yeah I was just so uncomfortable I was like where is this going like the whole because they have like kind of like air quotes orgy <laughs> scenes like like they're in heat or something under the moon like I'm not exaggerating I you know what I don't understand is how yeah. this got a pg rating I no idea what? No idea. This is a very unnecessarily sexual movie. And it's PG. Who thought that this movie was okay for children? I'm so uncomfortable. It was so bad. People have been wondering this since we first heard about it and saw a trailer and all the way through. But it really makes you wonder, like, why and yeah. how and for what? Why did Tom Hooper think that this needed to be made and how did we end up here yeah okay let's move on to some slightly better fare N maybe better is not is not the right way to describe um a musical about murder but i'm gonna do it anyway because <laughs> it is it is the far superior movie musical and that is chicago okay so y you love this right i unabashedly love chicago i i saw chicago like relatively young that I think I just imprinted on these beautiful women in slinky dresses singing and dancing about murder. I, What more do you need? I, I love that Chicago won Best Picture at the Oscars. I think that it, it did. Absolutely. It did. Um, it was up against Gangs of New York, The Hours, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and The Pianist. Maybe controversial opinion. I think Chicago deserved to win that year. It's so good. There's something like this is one of my most rewatchable movies. There's something mm. about um, how good Renee Zellweger and Catherine Zeta-Jones are as these like so two good. playing off of each other. And like the yeah. supporting cast is fantastic. Richard Gere and Queen Latifah and like Tay Diggs even is they're just there's like a, a, a spark and a magic in it. I Every time I put it on, I'm like, oh yeah, this feels good. That was what? Like 2002, three. It would have been, yeah, the 2003 Oscars. Wow. How did I miss that? I have no memory of this. You know, it's funny because I had my, um, my grandpa record because he had like cable to have access to the Oscars. Amazing. <laughs> so he recorded on a VHS tape and he would mail it to me. That's so um, sweet. <laughs> also, the fact that you had to record the Oscars on a VHS tape and then send it in the mail. Yeah. Yeah, he labeled it like he printed out like a sticker that says like Oscars 2003 and like Stop, it was really cute. So cute. Yeah, he was I love him so much. Um I remember the year when Lord of the Rings just 
sweeped ever swept 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 <laughs> swooped swooped <laughs> um swept everything and so maybe it got buried in that with my memory of that being just yeah because you know they gave all the awards to the third lord of the rings movie right because mm. you do it to like close out the trilogy so the two towers really got overlooked and that was the year of chicago right so you saw this as a live performance first i actually i saw the movie first and then um the first time i ever went to new york i saw i made a point to see the stage production because i was like i love this movie so much i have to go see it on stage and i thought this was maybe a controversial opinion but um resident new yorker and 70 millimeter listener i'm gonna keep bringing up this podcast i'm sorry i just love them (laughs) kev told me that he doesn't think it's actually as controversial as i thought it might be the movie is better than the stage show for chicago i i mean i enjoyed it i had a great time but i was a little bit underwhelmed after having seen the movie and i think there's something about the way that the movie can play with location and staging and and all of these other elements that make it so much more i mean theatrical that the stage show just doesn't have the same ability to like mix those things up quite as much and so I was I was just like a little bit underwhelmed and I it might be because I just love this movie so much I mean this I mean cell block cell block tango is like I I, that's like a clip that again that I've watched so many times and the way even that like intertwines the stage version and then like Mm -hmm. the interview portions right um is really well done in the circus act as well the numbers really lend themselves to the stage um Mm. i think like mr cellophane is such a great number but john c Riley does it so well that it's hard to compare anything to it even though that is like a great number on its own there's something about the way that john c Riley embodies that character and and plays that number in the movie version that you know it's really hard to have something live up to that. I, in in my drama class in high school, I staged Cell Block Tango with a couple of my other classmates. Oh my and God. it was it was so fun. Like, we had yeah. the best time doing it, but it's hard. And it, like, does not look as good. Like, there's no way to make it look as good as it looks in the movie when you're working with, like, one set at one time versus, like you said, how they can cut between yeah. different things that are happening and... And you can make a very um, visual metaphor yeah. and a visual play on like what the song is saying. I need to tell you about this university story that I have for you. Oh, yes, please. About, about Selbach Tango. So I went to a theater program and one of the projects, I think it was like a project, a student project that had to be done. And he's one of my friends. His name's Ashen. I don't think he listens to this either, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Get your friends on board, Anna. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, um, but he put together a play and it was like an original short play, but you can pull like music and like inspiration, like which was honestly a copy paste um, from <laughs> other places. And it was Cell Block Tango. Um, I don't even look, I don't even remember what the story was about, but I just remember that it was like vampire prostitutes. What? <laughs> it was like, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was like vampire prostitutes. And like the main girl, which I didn't play, I played one of like, an- played another different like prostitute. <laughs> okay. Like where like you're recruited as a 
prostitute, but also you become a vampire. It's like, I don't know. It just. It's... Okay, I'm like very intrigued by this, actually. <laughs> yeah. And um, Ashton was like, Anna, we're, we're going to do Selbok Tango. We're going to recreate all of that, where like each of them are going to like have a story. Like it's exactly the same as Selbok Tango, essentially. Um, and we learned the choreography and like we did the whole thing. And the outfit, he wanted to be like very revealing. So he's like, Anna, you're just going to duct tape your nipples. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, and this is like what? I'm like 18. And like 18 year old Anna, maybe like now I'm like sure whatever I'll duct tape my nipples and go on stage (laughs) but 18 year old Anna was like like no no (laughs) like I'm too shy (laughs) I'm still shy but um so we recreated the cell block tango and it was it was so fun but it was so bad I'm sorry no offense Ashton but like we all know it was really bad (laughs) I love that I also feel like not that I can sing but and like when I was auditioning for stuff in high school I used funny honey as my like audition song and like it's just I feel like I have so much history with this one because it just keeps coming up for me and I keep revisiting it and the songs and yeah I just this we have to go to karaoke oh god musical theater karaoke that would be so fun um okay can we talk about one more I guess technically two more musicals that are my absolutely beloved favorites of course I I can't talk about musicals and not talk about the Mamma Mia's the the gang the Mamma Mia's the Mamma Mia's yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) because I mean like You've got Mamma Mia 1, which is its Mm -hmm. own, like, beautiful, drunken, chaotic mess. And then you've got Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which is wonderful and delightful for totally different reasons. Because it's earnest and it's sweet and it has the sexiest people in the world in it. Yeah. This is another one that I went to see um, the live version many times growing up. I've seen it. I think I've only seen it in Japanese, actually. Really? Um, But the soundtrack that I listened to was in English. But yeah, I was obsessed. I mean, I just, ABBA's music. Incredible. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. It is amazing how well it works to create like a cohesive enough story. Yeah. Cohesive enough. Like the whole thing is just like you're drunk. Like (laughs) as you should be. Yeah. That's the only way to experience it. Yeah. But that's what gives it that, like, energy and the, like, irresistible you can't help but get up and want to dance and sing along because everyone in that movie is having the time of their life. Yeah. Is the second one your favorite? The second one is definitely the one that I rewatch more often. There is something about watching this, like, like I said, it's incredibly earnest and mm-hmm. um, watching Lily James strut around, sing, and be beautiful Um, especially once young Bill comes into the picture and they're beautiful together singing, why did it have to be you? Like it just, it warms my heart in this way that I I can't replicate with a lot of other things. And so I keep coming back to it, but I think that's like a very different magic from the first one, which I also absolutely love because the first one is, is so much more like drunken, horny revelry. (laughs) um like when amanda and dominic do lay all your love on me on the beach and it's just like oozing dripping with like sexy sweat like it just come on it's so good do you have a favorite i i don't i don't know it's really hard to say they're both like very 
strangely enough like different to me Mm -hmm. which it's titled here we go again and it kind of feels that way because it's like an extension yeah but it feels really different to me like um so it's really hard to pick but I will say I think I saw this in the movie theater with my friend Justin and obviously when Cher came I mean we (laughs) knew that Cher was gonna be in it oh when Cher comes out when Cher comes out I think we both screamed um that is the right reaction just the fact that she played the grandmother and like the grand entrance that she made that on it i i don't know that was like definitely up there in terms of favorite moments it's so good and like her and andy garcia singing fernando truly insane like the the choreo the just swaying with their arm out on on each other's arms and oh yeah yes iconic moment such an iconic iconic moment it's so weird though like the way they just oh my god they just like look at each other and they're kind of freaking out and it just goes into a musical number like (laughs) it's just it's so good um i went to see Cher live with justin oh my god um when she sang sos and fernando first of all when she sang sos i thought the floor was gonna break because i was just (laughs) jumping aggressively and also the audience is like kind of older yeah so everyone's seated and so i'm just like 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 what are we listening to like club music like (laughs) no calm the fuck down sit down but yeah it was i i don't know it just was such an out-of-body experience but the fact Um, that she played those songs on her tour is amazing not to sidetrack but like Cher does absolutely nothing on stage when she performs <laughs> that does not surprise like she, me at all no no like her dancers are just doing like all these like flips and like all these like boom 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 with her like <laughs> but then like when she when 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 they actually dance with Cher it's very much like lock it lock it like very, <laughs> very like, like one two step <laughs> To be fair, she's, like, almost 80, so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, honestly, like, doesn't matter if she's old or not. Like, she's Cher. She doesn't have to do anything. She's just serving. The fact that she's, like... There in person. Existing. Yeah. Yeah. It's enough. That, that is that is the that is all we get, and that's, that's all so we That's so funny. Take. I love that. The most she would do is, is this. Is like a... How do I describe it? It's like a fist Oh, pump. my God. Like, literally watch... Like, everyone needs to watch, like, share live videos, like, concert videos. Fist pump. That's all she does. <laughs> Her signature move. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. That was great. It was just all so great. Like, it kind of felt like you were taking part in a Mamma Mia, like, multiverse. Oh... So, like, when she sang Fernando, the whole background was the exact same background to the movie's um fireworks like there's more fireworks than the sky right (laughs) like you can't see any part of the sky it's all fireworks yes like where did who who brought this into the island completely (laughs) unrealistic there's no way it would happen but you buy in anyway we deserve a mamma mia multiverse okay what are we talking about next um i feel like we have to talk about Les Mis. When that came out in 2012, that was everywhere. I forgot that that movie is two hours and 40 minutes long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who in 2012 was letting people get away with nearly three hour long movies? 
I know that we do that now, but 10 years ago, that's so long. I feel like that was part of the conversation too, though. The fact that it was everywhere, like it was the fact that it was long. It was a musical theater that, I mean, it's it's a classic musical that Mm -hmm. was coming to live action with a pretty stacked cast as well. And and Russell Crowe. And Russell (laughs) Crowe. And Russell Crowe, yes. And also the fact that, like, the singing was all recorded live. Like, I remember Mm. that was everywhere and talked about everywhere, how that was, like, groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm also realizing, thinking back to, like, the cast, this is our second Amanda Seyfried novel. Or, novel. This is our second (laughs) Amanda Seyfried movie. Um, It is our first of two Hugh Jackman movies. And the next Hugh Jackman movie is the first of two that we'll cover for one of his co-stars. We're just tying all of these things together because it's the same six people in every modern movie musical. Can we get more musical people? I guess we're starting. The new West Side Story has almost an entirely new or like new two movie musicals cast. And a lot of them are like great Broadway actors. We're not going to talk about Ansel Elgort. So I feel like I feel like we're starting to get there. Yeah. And like Tick Tick Boom and stuff, too. That's true. Yeah. And like in the heights so okay wait so tell me about your feelings about this movie because i'm really curious i mean it's certainly the better of the two tom hooper movies that we're talking about i will Mm -hmm. give him that i don't have as strong feelings about this one as a movie as a whole probably because it is so long there are definitely parts of it that i really appreciate i think that Anne Hathaway does a really good job even though her part is fairly short. My real standouts for this and the stuff that I listen to over and over um, are the the musical theater people, the, the actual musical theater actors, Samantha Barks and Aaron Tveit, who are both like Broadway musical theater mm-hmm. actors. When Samantha sings on my own, in the rain, in like one of the most iconic emotional moments in that show i also get emotional i will not lie Mm. and that is a song that like when i am feeling really sad and i just need to like cry and also like wail about my feelings that's the song that goes on specifically her version from this movie because I think she does such a good job with it. And Aaron Tveit, I have had a crush on since I couldn't even tell you when. He's so good. <laughs> like, do you know about how, because Anne Hathaway um, won for Best Supporting Actress for the Oscars oh, with this wow. role. Yeah, I yeah. forgot that she did. I read that she 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 talked about in an interview about how like uncomfortable she was in that moment. Like when... Hmm. I think for a very, very long time, she was going pretty method. I don't know if that's the term like she might use for this, but like based oh. on the way it's described is like the way she studied the role and immersed herself in the role. She dug pretty deep in in mm. that in that uh, process. And so for her to be in this extremely expensive and gorgeous dress it's this pink dress with an open back like huge like chunky uh jewelry necklace like it was beautiful she looked beautiful so I had no idea about this um but yeah that she felt really uncomfortable receiving acknowledgement in playing someone that is obviously completely opposite to that Mm -hmm. lifestyle right so Mm -hmm. um that was really interesting to hear and because this movie was this was 
2020 this movie came out 2012 and Mm. i don't think that i mean i think something like that is maybe talked about a lot more now versus i mean even in 2012 like no one was really talking about that yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah it was just kind of interesting that that wasn't at the forefront of you know media and people talking maybe it was maybe maybe it was just me that completely missed it but like now i think it would have been kind of blasted everywhere and talked about. Yeah, that's so interesting. I don't remember hearing about that at the time either. That's really curious to me because, I mean, that's the whole job of an actor. Like, that is what, I mean, we have obviously lots of quibbles about the Academy. We've talked about them before. I'm sure it'll come up again. But that is what the Academy sets out to honor is great performance work. And a performance that is thought to be Oscar worthy should be of someone completely embodying someone who is very different from them. Yeah. Right. So in a sense, like that is exactly what the Oscar is meant for is like she did this incredible work capturing someone who was so unlike her. Um, but you're right. We, we don't really think about the optics and the reality of like these this this person who is receiving this like very expensive award at this very expensive ceremony where i mean we heard this year about the stuff that was in the gift bags that the nominees got that were Mm -hmm. worth like a hundred thousand dollars is so heavily in contrast to the kinds of stories that are being told that's a such a big question and like that's what the whole industry is built on so i don't know that there's necessarily like a fix or an easy way to discuss that but it's really interesting that that's something that she reflected on and and wanted to talk about yeah she brought it up um in a vanity fair interview um and this was 2016 so it was a couple of years after the oscars so okay um yeah huh okay so from one hugh jackman to another hugh jackman <laughs> let's talk about the greatest showman please tell me I I did not watch this until very recently. So oh, really? Please, yeah. I actually watched this one specifically in preparation for us talking about the movie musicals because I had not seen it, despite the fact that I had heard every single song on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was coming at it from a place of, I know these songs from the TikTok memes. Yeah. Oh, now here's the real context. Yeah. I feel like some of this movie and its charm was lost on me. Um I didn't totally connect with it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the fault of any of the actors. I mean, Hugh Jackman is great. Zac Efron is great. Michelle Williams. I always forget how much I love Michelle Williams until I see her in something. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, Michelle Williams. Like, yeah, wonderful. Um, obviously, Zendaya, um, Rebecca Ferguson, who plays the singing lady and who is also yeah. Lady Jessica in Dune, another yeah. one who is great. I don't know. And like the actors who play... The oddities are also very charming and yet there is still like there's something and I don't know if it's you know maybe because I knew the songs already going in from TikTok and not like as earnest musical theater songs it it felt kind of a little bit flat and a little mm-hmm. bit forced yeah. to me which was a bummer like I really wanted to like this one the way that I know that so many people really like it yeah I'm I'm really into the music for sure I haven't I don't think I've seen the movie that many times to be honest um but the music I've listened to many many 
many times. Actually, speaking of that, I have a story specifically around um, the song The Other Side, which is a song that um, Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron sings it's like a duet and I did love that one yeah it's a it's a great number and they're um at a bar and they're basically trying to um Hugh Jackman is trying to negotiate Zac Efron to take part in this like you know project venture yeah exactly um so it's like the whole thing is like a negotiation conversation it's very well staged it's very like a a really well put together number I really enjoyed this one yeah in my previous job um my coworker and I used to sing the greatest showman tracks like all the time just to stay afloat like mentally (laughs) oh my gosh and um at one point so like we used to listen to this song um to hype each other up before going into salary negotiations (laughs) with our boss (laughs) that's so perfect yeah so yeah we were like it's okay like we can do this we can ask for better pay and like all of that (laughs) and we would like listen to the song and like I I would sing like Zach's part and she would sing Hugh's part and we would just like role play and then go into the into the meeting. So that's um, amazing. Did it work? Um, Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, God, salary negotiations is just such a awkward, horrible conversation to have. The worst. Um, yeah. But so in that sense, yeah, like I highly recommend if you're a musical theater fan and like a musical and a bop like this will like hype you up. I recommend it. It's not bad. It's very important, I think, to have a hype song before you go into conversations like that. And that yeah. sounds like a really good... I never would have thought about it that way, but that is a really good hype song. Um, also, I have a really random fact that I have to share. Not that anyone needs to know about this, but as a Gaga fan, Ooh. Lady Gaga's dancer for... Specifically, he was part of like Up Until the Born This Way tour, which no one cares about. <laughs> but I'm sharing anyways. Um Gaga in that era, she had a dance partner that was like always, always dancing with her when they have like a duet moment. Um, and his name is Mark Hanamura and he's extremely hot and beautiful. And I um, love Mark. Mark was on, actually, I'm going to tie this in and we're going to make this a dual fun fact. Okay. Mark made his whatever debut before he danced with Lady Gaga on So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah. And one of the other dancers from So You Think You Can Dance, Alex, is also in this movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, there are multiple So You Think You Can Dance connections to this. But what were you going to say about Mark and Lady Gaga? I love him so much. But aside from him, he's not in this movie. But his his boyfriend at the time, who was also Gaga's background dancer, he's in this movie. Which one is he? He, He's like blonde and he has like black like ink all over him. Like I don't know what he's supposed to be. But when he filmed this, he was Pink's background dancer, which is like the coolest thing Mm. as well. Um, But anyway, that's all. That's so fun. I love those like when you know somebody from something totally different and then you're watching a movie and you see them pop up and you're like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. I love it. We, my family were very devoted. So you think you can dance watchers in the early seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And so every time I see one of the dancers from that doing something cool, like Mark dancing with Lady Gaga or Alex in this movie, I'm like, I feel a weird sense of 
pride as if like I am their mama bear and I like nurtured them because yeah. I watched them on this TV show. Yeah, I was going to I was going to say like I feel like a stage mom or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly that, which is insane, but yeah. It's a nice feeling. Yeah. <laughs> We're big fans. Big fans. Um okay, so continuing these uh jumping from actors movies to actors other movies Zac Efron number two we gotta go with Hairspray for the record um I I was thinking this while I watched Greatest Showman um but I have also thought it while watching Hairspray I think Zac Efron should continue doing musicals I think so too he needs to come back he got his start with High School Musical and as much as people love to like make fun of those movies they are like genuinely fun movies yeah, I agree. I was actually one. I mean, you brought up High School Musical, so I have to share this. That um, I was talking to our friend Dulcie last week about High School Musical, actually, <laughs> and that like I think at that age, like I was honestly pretending like I'm too cool for it, and like mm. wasn't really into it, but I was into it. Like I was nonstop listening to the songs and stuff, and I <laughs> like. It kind of was like my my early guilty pleasure movie, um, mm-hmm. which I don't think was a thing back then for me. But like, I mean, now all I watch is guilty pleasure movies. As you should. I've I've seen High School Musical recently, and it's so good. It's <laughs> so good. So highly recommend. And so yeah, I really agree that he should he should come back, and he's fantastic in this. He really is. He is charming as heck in this role I think that like it's very easy with this one to get caught up in the adults because like John Travolta is kind of ridiculous Queen Latifah and Michelle Pfeiffer are wonderful Mm -hmm. Christopher Walken is an icon but the kids are pretty great too like it's nice to see Amanda Bynes in a role that she owns really well I always love Britney Snow I think she's fun and everything um nikki blonsky did a great job james marsden as corny collins i i just love him as as corny collins and i like cannot forget about my forever queen allison janney is also in this like i just the the cast is so good um i remember seeing elijah kelly for the first time in this as seaweed and being completely blown away and like where is he what is he doing he deserves more roles too like this is a great cast yeah this was so this was 2007 and god yeah and i think i went to see it in the movie theater as well and I think I was around 14. Um, so 14-year-old Anna did not take Zac Efron in this role too, too well. Um, <laughs> because this was still, mind you, like, this was after High School Musical, right? And, like, yes. I was still in that, like, too cool for this, like, too cool for mm. Zac Efron phase. Okay. And um, so, I don't know, especially that scene where, like, Link is swooning um over um (laughs) tracy tracy yeah and like the picture in in his room Mm. i was i remember i was just so embarrassed watching that scene no i'm not i'm just i was never even when i was like 14 or probably earlier too i was not into men that were swoony swoony guys turns me off wow yeah I will just state for the record that I love a man who is in touch with his emotions. Swoony men. <laughs> I'm here for you. Yeah. No, not for me. <laughs> That's fair. He definitely does like 
once they reach that point of, okay, Link is on board with Tracy, this is going to happen, they like really lean into it. And I think that can very quickly be like, oh, this is adorable and I love it. Or, oh my God, what is happening? I hate this. So you and I just had very different reactions to that. And that's okay. I think it's really interesting that um, there is this sort of expected performance of masculinity that is, you know, like what we have been socialized with. It's um, something that people are, I think, are are very comfortable with sort of by default, because Mm -hmm. that is what we are trained to understand men to be. Link is kind of like that at the beginning of the movie, where he is the like, he's the star of the show. He's the hot guy in town. He is, you know, the guy that everybody wants. Yeah. And then as Tracy wins him over, he gets mushier and he like opens up to his emotions and it's like part of his arc for the movie. And I think it's interesting how they like use that to sort of deconstruct this idea of like, this is what a man should be. This is like what masculine should look like. Totally. Yeah. And not to like get off topic here, but I think it's, it's interesting, um, thinking about like John Travolta in this movie and, and one of his other big movie musicals, like. Danny kind of goes through some of that in Greece too, mm, where yeah. like he starts off as the very macho, very like, you know, I am a misogynist basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and treat Sandy like shit to changing or like feeling out like what are other ways that I can like exist in this world and express myself to not be such a dick and maybe win this girl over. I just think it's really interesting that like these movie musicals explore that idea because I think there's so much um, within musical culture like obviously so many of the men who work in musical theater are gay and like don't subscribe to necessarily the quote-unquote traditional macho masculinity. So it's really interesting that these movies take these straight male characters and sort of put them through that like masculinity ringer and have them come out a little different on the other side. Those qualities that he comes out with where he is a little mushy and he is a little like willing to express love and devotion is like celebrated. Totally. Except by Anna. Except by Anna, which is totally fair. You are allowed (laughs) to not like it. No, I like it now. It's really it's really cute now. But yeah, just teenage Anna was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you like this movie yeah. overall? Um, do, and like, did you like it as a 14 year old? Link aside. Yeah, I love, again, the music. I think I get really attached to the music. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually, I forgot about this, but I did like a You Can't Stop the Beat, like, choreo like a performance in high school like it was like a high school talent show thing (laughs) that's so cute and that was super fun because like the choreography was like extremely simple it was like also with like um like a fourth grader too like and me as a high school kid (laughs) oh so it was like a really it, it was it was really cute and like straightforward and easy but I knew I had the best time because it was just like it's such a fun song um i really i really liked it but yeah it was it was the music the music is so strong the music is incredible i think they did a really good job with this remake of like celebrating the music the color the like the boldness of it because the soundtrack like really slaps they did a great job giving these songs the energy that they deserve Mm mm-hmm and you just have a complete blast mm-hmm. all the way through. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think the last movie that we're going to talk about is Moulin Rouge from 
2001. Um, what a year for movies. I used to commute two hours each each way, like oh my going to high school and back. So it was four hours total. That's that was insane. too long. Yeah. Ninth grade to 12th grade. Jesus. So four years of that. So I had a lot of time during <laughs> my train ride. And I downloaded Moulin Rouge onto my iPod. I don't know how I, how I did On that. On your actually. iPod? I mean, on my iPod? Wow. Like, no, like it's an iPod with like this, like the screen, not the old, old iPod, which I used to have as well. Like an iPod Touch. Like, iPod Touch. That's what it's called. <laughs> wow. Oh, throwback. Throwback. Um, yeah, I had an iPod Touch. Wow. And, and you watched Moulin Rouge on your iPod Touch. On repeat. On repeat. <laughs> because I didn't have like internet on my, it was just an iPod. You just yeah. listen to a music. Um, yeah, I, so I had to download something and, um, that was one of the things that I've downloaded and I watch it over and over and over again. Amazing. Yeah. What a great choice. I'm sure that made the commute go very quickly because, you sit down in this thing and you just get like completely enveloped in this world. Do you did you love this? I really like it. I feel like I came to it a lot later in life than mm-hmm. I should have. Um, so I didn't latch on to it the same way that I like latched on to some of the musicals that I saw when I was an impressionable teenager. And I don't know why I... Okay, I don't want to get canceled for this take, but when I was <laughs> young... Um, like still in school young we watched Romeo and Juliet Baz Luhrmann's R- Romeo and Juliet in mm-hmm. um, like English class or something I really did not like it the first time I saw it and so I think I just kind of stayed away from Baz Luhrmann overall for a while yeah which is why I somehow missed this one at the time which was a mistake because Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman are delightful together and this thing is like such a ride and it's beautiful and the costumes are amazing and the sets are so intricate and like it it really is like a Baz Luhrmann feast for the eyes which I very much appreciate now. It's just it's such a it's so pretty. I love how dramatic everything is again and the music is so good. I will say I was like really surprised when I did eventually watch this at the choices like the song choices are so interesting um yeah not at all what I was expecting but really I mean they they really work to accomplish like what this movie is trying to accomplish okay so Anna was going through a musical phase during high school but also was going through a jazz phase I think this was like 15 when I was 15 I was like just going through a jazz phase um, especially because I had a bunch of like friends that I didn't have a bunch of friends. I had a few friends um, that were um, really into music as well. And they were also playing jazz. They were slowly getting into jazz. Um, and I was really into that as well. Um, so I feel like this kind of like, you know how it starts with um, Nature Boy? Mm-hmm. And like, and then I like, I love that song. And it was kind of like my entryway. I'm not entryway. Like I was just kind of re- visiting the Nat King Cole version Mm. of Nature Boy and like that opened up a whole sort of like genre of music that like I have never listened to and I was super yeah I really love that this took music from like a lot of different places like Mm. you have Nature Boy you have Madonna and Elton John you have Nirvana. Like, there are so many different influences that all work together so well in telling this story. And, like, you can jump off from this movie and from this soundtrack into so many different spaces, like jazz, which is, I think, really cool because yeah. um, as much as I love ABBA and I, like, 
love mm-hmm. ABBA. Um, yeah. When you go down the Mamma Mia soundtrack and you go down that rabbit hole, it is exclusively like one yeah. band and and their songs, their influences. Whereas this is such a, right. a broad picture of mm. music and and influences from the time and i think that's a really interesting way to open people up to something that they might never have discovered otherwise come what may like kills me every time oh if there is an emotional moment for me that's got to be it yeah they just know what they're doing to get you i so because i had the movie on my ipod i got one of my friends from high school like um I got her to watch it during break or something in the library and she was bawling like after watching it. You never see her. I I don't think I've ever seen her cry before. Like no one's ever seen her cry. So I think it was like really surprising to see her like crying watching this and like no one had any idea that she was like watching Moulin Rouge. She was just crying in the library. So I remember (laughs) very concerned. Yeah, everyone was just like, why is she crying? Um, that was just like a really sweet moment. Oh. I was like, I know. <laughs> it's so sad. Thinking of that moment in particular, I'm really glad that Ewan McGregor got that role. I think that he encompasses that like earnestness and that romantic spirit so well. Yeah. Um, I, I know that uh, Leo after working with Baz on Romeo and Juliet auditioned mm-hmm. for the role of Christian. And mm. I'm, I'm like, I think Leo, like that was Leo's moment. I think that like he was, he was wonderful at that age. And that was his, yeah. like, he was his like most beautiful, adorable heartthrob. Like that was Leo's time. This was not the role for him. I am so, so glad that it was Ewan McGregor. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I think the last thing I'll say is Baz is coming out with a new movie. Oh my god. Can we talk about this Elvis movie? Because I feel like I get some shit for this, although I know that there are some people out there who will back me up. Mm -hmm. This movie looks insane Mm -hmm. in the best way. I am so excited. (laughs) Like, it's it's obviously going to be ridiculous. Just listen to Tom Hanks' accent in the trailer and you know that it's going to be ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah. I I'm I'm I don't I don't really care. <laughs> I just I want it to be like fun Baz Luhrmann over the top. Mm. Ridiculous. I yeah, think it that probably it's, will. Like I'm just going to have a great time watching Austin Butler pretend to be Elvis in this like insane showbiz kind of way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a draw to like Elvis. That's I didn't fair. really grow up with him existing in my life, which that's maybe fair. I'm missing out, but um, yeah. And that's it. That's our whole list. I mean, there are so many other modern movie musicals that we could have touched on. Um, I feel like there are a lot of great ones that we skipped, but these were the ones that spoke to us as we were thinking about this idea. So yeah, yeah. And I think we're both like, I don't know, like we work really hard during the day. <laughs> we work hard you know (laughs) and I think we just both really love um the combination of musicals and film together that is really gonna get us going and make us happy and just like remove us from reality sometimes Mm -hmm. and like musicals are a really great way of doing that and a lot of the times like um live theater musicals are really hard to access like 
I haven't seen it in a really, really long time. Obviously because of COVID and stuff too, but like with the prices and stuff as well, like it's not always very accessible. So whenever there's an adaptation um, of it, it makes me nervous. It makes the musical theater kids really nervous, Mm -hmm. but, (laughs) and very high expectations come from it, but it's, it's really awesome as well to be able to like have that experience in a in a movie theater, you know? Yeah, and I think it's really nice that it does take these things that otherwise only a select few people are ever going to get the chance to see mm-hmm. and a select few like very location-based, very class-based, very like how much money do you make? And it it really opens these things up so that anyone has access to this thing even if it's in a slightly yeah. different format. Um, And there's a real art form to adapting a musical into a movie. And I think that we see some really amazing takes on it. Yeah. So we should celebrate those. So I actually have a question for you. For any of the musicals that you've seen before um, live, are there any that you want to see adapted to film? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Yes, but you go first because I feel like you have one queued up. Okay, sure. Um, this is kind of cheating because it exists and it's from 1986 and it's Little Shop of Horrors. I would love to see like a new version of it. Have you seen the 1986 version? Yeah, I have. I've also seen it live as well. I love it so much. The music is great. It's, ah, I I say that about every, I literally have said that about every single (laughs) musical that we talked about today. Um, Duh, the music is great. Um, yeah, I'd love to. I I'd love to see like a revamped new version of it. That Although I feel like it's gonna it's gonna like fail, like because it's there's like really campy things about it, obviously, and mm-hmm. when that's being recreated to a modern version, ugh, I don't know. Mm. I don't know if it's gonna come through. Um, so maybe it's something that doesn't have to come through. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> do you have one? Obviously, we know now that we are getting a movie for Wicked, Wicked. with Ariana Grande and Cynthia Erivo, mm-hmm. which I do think is great casting for the record. I think that they are going to be really, really good. I also would love to see the musical version of Waitress adapted into a yeah. musical movie because yeah. it obviously it is a movie um, mm-hmm. by Adrian Shelley. And um, I watched the movie after I saw the stage show for the first time and the movie is lovely like Carrie Russell Nathan Villian they're great I was a little bit underwhelmed because I love the energy and again the songs and like there's so much about the musical version that is so delightful Mm -hmm. and I think it would be really fun to try to capture that in a movie version yeah when you mentioned Wicked Mm -hmm. um on April Fool's this year someone tweeted no that Andrew is being casted as Fiero. No. And I lost it. Exploded. Like, <laughs> just completely lost it. That's so cruel. Yeah, because it's like, it's, it's like, it's believable. It's so good. Like, that's such a good choice. I know. Oh, that's so mean. It was so mean. I was so upset. I'd love to know um, what other like musical theater uh, stuff that people have seen that 
they'd love to see adapted to film. I mean, a lot of the times people don't really want to see <laughs> adapted to movies because <laughs> a lot of them don't come through as really successful or incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's done right, it's so good. So let us know what um, what people want to see. Yeah. So you can obviously always send us an email. We are at popcornmartinisoup at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter at popmartinisoup on Instagram at popcorn martini soup find us on the internet you know who we are you can track us down somehow there are so many ways just give us a shout and thank you for putting up with all of this music emotion everything that we just spilled out into your feed today we really appreciate you sticking around for this yeah this we, was so much fun it was a lot of fun um and we cannot promise that we will be more put together next week, but we can promise that it will still be fun. So you got that going <laughs> for you. This is true. And actually, today is a Wednesday, which is usually, I mean, in the past, we usually get um, cheap martinis by Tiff Bell Lightbox. Um, so we should be doing that between now and the next episode. Um, so we can just, I don't know, get drunk or something and... <laughs> It's true. Maybe we will have a martini update for you. Yeah. Maybe we will record after a few martinis. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. No promises. Be so fun, but it would be, be fun. It would be incredibly chaotic. Okay. We will see you next time. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.